Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The word of our Lord. Hey, good morning. Y'all can have a seat. My name's Matt. I'm a, one of the pastors on staff here at Midtown, and I've only been here once, so probably don't know a lot of y'all, but thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here with you this morning. Um, I read a story this week about an adopted child, about her experience coming into her adopted family, and she was a foster child. She was coming from the foster system. She had been through a lot of different foster homes before she was adopted, and a lot of really tough things had happened to her, a lot of really terrible things had happened. And so she, as you can imagine, she's still a young child. She's coming into this new family, doesn't know what to expect, has had a lot of bad experiences. And she gets to her family's house for the first time, and her, her new adoptive mother is taking her around, showing her the house, and she takes her up to her new room that, that the adoptive mother has decorated and, and done all this stuff and gotten all these new things. And she takes this little girl into the room, and, and this woman now, you know, looking back on this story, says that it was as if the, the adoptive mother was seeing all these things for the first time, too. She was walking around the room saying, oh, and look at this. Look at how beautiful this is, and look at how amazing this is. And oh, look at this over here, and, and how nice that is, and that's brand new, and wow, isn't that wonderful? And so she shows her the whole room, and she looks at her and says, well, what do you think? And this little girl is just trying to figure out what's going on. And she just said, yeah, I guess it's nice. And the mother said, oh, well, all of these things are very nice. I I think if if I were you, I would be a little more grateful. Okay, so you hear that story, and you're cringing, right? (laughs) I hope. Um, Because you just think about the lack of empathy, the lack of love. It just feels like a lot more thinking about me as a parent than I am about this child who's been through a lot and who's coming into this new situation. And so I want to ask you a question. In light of the passage that we're talking about today, do you feel like God is a a parent like that with us as we come into his adopted family? Do you feel like he's expecting us to think about all that Jesus has done for us and to immediately get our act together and be grateful for everything and stop having any complaints and stop having any adjustment issues and just everything should be okay? Do you believe that? No? But if you're, if you're like me, it's, it's easy to slide into living that way, and it's easy to slide into interpreting Scripture that way. So this passage this morning, what Paul is doing is he is coming to these Colossians, these people who are new in their faith, they're new in this adoptive family, and he's saying, put on then. You know, these things should mark your life now, but I want you to, to hear this in the same way that you came to Christ, which is in a big old bundle of grace and mercy and love. Like that grace and mercy and love has not changed. And so when we read this passage, when we find ourselves in passages like this, 
we need to remember that the Lord is not who we make him in our image. The Lord is, is so much higher. His ways are higher than our ways. And so Paul is coming to these people with this good news. And he's calling them up into this new life, but he's doing so in God's grace and God's love for them. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we can talk about where we're going here. Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, uh, thank you for bringing us in this morning from all the different places that we've come, all the different experiences we've had of this past week, even this last night, the fights that we've had, the sleep that we didn't get, or the sleep that we got, and we're feeling good. But wherever we are, Lord, you are You've called us to be exactly where we are, to come in to meet you exactly as we are today. And so we ask you to keep your promises to us, that you would come and convict us where we need to be convicted, come and encourage us where we need to be encouraged, and that you would transform us, Lord. You promise that you love us, that you're always with us, even when we can't feel it. And you also promise that your word never returns void. And so I ask that you would bless the reading and singing and preaching of your word this morning. And uh, do not leave us unchanged. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so three observations I have for us this morning. Uh, the first is what I'm going to call smile for the family picture. The second is called just like my big brother. And the third is Peter, he's your brother. Okay, but I, it's really more like in the New York Italian accent. Peter, it's your brother. That's where we're going this morning. So first, um, smile for the family picture. This verse 12, um, we're learning about who we are. So I want you to show that picture for me. This is, this is my family. Um, and that's my wife, Lee. And Kess is our oldest son. And Hayes is our middle. And then Field is our, our little guy. And we just had our family pictures made this week. And... Um, our kids did not behave well during the family picture session. And I know a lot of families, like, shame their kids. Like, if they don't behave well, then they, they don't allow them to be in the family picture. But we actually still allow them to be in the picture. Of course not, right? Like, imagine, what if, what if you got a Christmas card with this, except Hayes, who is being particularly difficult? What if he was standing, like, three feet off to the side in the background, <laughs> wearing like a burlap sack or something. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Um, but this is, this is uh, the family of God. Is, is like, it, that, that's where we are. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Sorry, is this, am I doing something up here? I'm getting a little, a little fuzziness. Um, I, I want us to think about the family of God as an adoptive family where there are perfect parents with unlimited resources, and they just keep adopting kids. Like, that is, that is a pretty good picture of what it is to be in the family of God. And it's not just this big universal family of God. What you all need to be most concerned about is this family of God. Like, this is your nuclear family of God unit right here at Creve Hall. And so... so what we're talking about here is that um, when, we, when we've got all these new kids coming in, you know, like the, the woman from the story, like we're all coming in with all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different experiences. Like when we come into this adoptive family, some of us have come from pretty good situations. Some of us have come from really terrible situations. We all have different hurts. We all, all have different issues. And, and we're all coming into this place. 
And so I want to ask you all this question. As you think about life in this family, given, given that reality of where we're all coming from, um, are there going to be growing pains? Yeah. It's like everybody's learning this new family system. Everybody's trying to figure out, you know, my, my old foster family was abusive, or they were, you know, we, we, we did things this way, or I was living like an orphan. And so now we're in this loving, perfect family, and it's, it's hard to shake some of those memories. It's hard to shake some of those experiences. And so there are going to be growing pains, and that's okay. But what we need to know right off the bat, verse 12 here, is uh, before we put on anything, is what Paul is saying is the reason we we're able to put on now, is you are God's chosen people. You, you have been chosen by God because you are dearly loved. You're dearly loved and you are holy in his eyes and you're being made holy. You are being transformed. Like this is what's happening in this family. Paul is drawing specifically from Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. It says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. It was not because you were more in number than any of the other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples, but it is because the Lord loves you. So catch that. You're his treasured possession because he loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to your fathers. And that's why he brought you out of the house of slavery and into freedom. So we are God's people. The, the Old Testament is now our family history. We are just as much members of God's family as Abraham or David or the Apostle Paul. And so a couple things to, to note there. One is that you are not a member of God's family because you're easy to deal with, okay? Because you're not. I don't care who you are. And you're not a member of God's family because you have some talent that you bring to the table that we needed in the family of God. You are a member of God's family because he chose to set his love on you. So whatever happens as we go out of this place, whatever, whatever sin you commit, whatever issue you have with somebody else, um, just know that. Live in that reality that, that God's love for you, your status as a family member, as a son or daughter of God, does not change based on your behavior. This is not a contract. And two, to think about Midtown Creep Hall as your nuclear family now. And to see each other that way. To see each other as brothers and sisters who aren't going anywhere. You know, it's like the big brother or sister when the baby comes home from the hospital, like, hey, this is great. When do they go back? Like, they're not going back. So, like, this person in your life now that is, is a part of this body at Creep Hall, they're not going back. Okay? Like, their, their room is next door to yours now. And you've got to figure out how to live together because you're brothers, you're sisters. You know, this is, this is who we are. So that was um, this idea of smiling for the family picture. Now this, the second observation I want us to, to look at is uh, this idea of being just like my big brother. Did you, uh, as a kid growing up, did you have an older sibling that you really wanted to be like? Anybody? Raise a hand. Okay, a few people. Really bad older siblings, I guess. There's three people in the whole room that said that. Um, okay, what? You had somebody older that you wanted to be like, okay? Even if it wasn't a sibling. 
I know I didn't have an older sibling, so, but I remember as like an elementary, middle school age kid having older kids that I knew that I really wanted to be like. And so what do you do when you really want to be like someone, like your big brother, or like someone who's like a big brother or big sister? You become a student of them, right? You study. I mean, I remember these guys that were a couple years older than me, and they were so cool. And I just became a student. I just ate everything up that they did. I wanted to know how they dressed. I wanted to know, you know, what they thought was cool, what music they liked, what they thought was funny, how they talked, how they told stories, how they carried themselves. I mean, I was just taking it all in and trying to, like, make myself like them. And, and this is what Paul's talking about here. This idea of put on, clothe yourself. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Over all these put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Um, what kind of picture is Paul painting here? Who's he painting a picture of with these words? Feel free to yell it out. Jesus. Yeah, y'all are quiet. That's like the easiest church answer. There is. Um, Paul, yeah, he's, he's saying put on Jesus. In fact, that's what he actually says in, in Romans 13, 14 when he's saying the same thing to them. Put on Jesus. All of this is a description of who Jesus is. Put on Jesus Christ. And he talks about this idea of love binding all things together in perfect unity. That word for perfect unity in the, in the Greek is actually perfection or full maturity. So it's this idea as we learn to love you know, and love really encapsulates all these other descriptors in this passage. Because you go to like 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, kind, all these things. As, as we imitate our big brother, Jesus, who we think is, is so great now, we are learning to love like him. And that is a picture of full maturity, is loving the way that Jesus loved. And so it's living, living into his life. But Paul is... You know, we have to stop and ask the question, why is Paul calling these people and commanding these people to clothe themselves in these things? He's, he's having to say that because they're not doing it, right? Like, that's not, you, you don't come into this family of faith, you don't become a follower of Christ and automatically experience perfection, or at least I didn't. I don't know about you guys. But he's calling them to this because they're not. They're not living out of this new nature. They're not doing these things because sometimes it's really easy to live in the old ways. Sometimes it's really easy to come into your new adoptive family and still operate the way you did in your really dysfunctional foster family that you're coming from. Because that's just all you know. That's, that's how life works. And so what Paul is saying here is, it's the same thing that we say to our kids. Like, hey, we don't do that in this house. Or, or we do this in our house. Like, this is how it is here. Um, we're calling you up into this. But we're not expecting perfection right now. I mean, when we call, when, when, when we, my wife and I, call our three and five-year-old into obedience, we, we don't walk into those moments of, discipline and believe that this is going to be the last conversation that we're going to have if we well sometimes I do actually act like that and I get really disappointed because I'm frustrated with the results 
because that's never how it goes. But when I'm sane, I don't go into these moments of discipline and act like this is going to be the last one. Well, you just haven't understood yet. Okay, so let me clearly explain it to you. And now you'll never do this again. Or now you'll always do this in this situation. No. I mean, any good parent understands these are kids. They're little people. They're, they have limits, and they, are, they can only absorb so much at a time. And so they're learning, and it's this commitment. It's this ongoing process that I'm calling you up into something. You know, there's a way that you can read this, and you can think about um, hypocrisy. Like, put on these things. This, this isn't really who you are, but put on these things and act like this is who you are. Um, so hypocrisy is negative. Okay, that's like the number one complaint of the watching world for Christians, right? Is that everybody's a hypocrite. But what Paul is calling us to is actually is some kind of pretending, but it's, it's a healthy kind of pretending. It's the way um, C.S. Lewis talked about this idea of the way that we follow Jesus is like kids playing dress up and learning how to be adults. Because it's, it's not who we always are right now. But he's calling us into this, this playing dress up and and he's, he's playing on our love for Christ. And to say, hey, you know what? Do, it, do what you already want to do anyway. Go, go pretend to be like Jesus. This is your cool big brother that you so desperately want to be like. So go live like him. Go emulate him. Go imitate him. That's what, that's what Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 5.1, he says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. So for us, what's the difference between playing dress-up in this healthy way and hypocrisy? Well, the difference is one of the words on this list. It's humility. You know, when I'm being a hypocrite, I care what you think about me, and I want to paint a picture of me that is more favorable than is true in your eyes. I want you to think something about me uh, that puts me in a better light that's not actually true about me. And when I'm doing what Paul is calling us to do here and playing dress-up, and my big brother's clothes, I'm actually not thinking about what you think about me at all. That's the beauty of this, is, is not about you. It's not about the watching world. It's about this love affair that I have with Jesus, my older brother. And I'm so focused on him and wanting to be like him. And, and when, when I am not like him, when I fail to be like him, I can confess that. that I'm not him. But I really, really want to be like him. And I'm, guess what? I'm growing up into him. I'm becoming like him. And me playing dress up and me putting on his clothes and walking around in those clothes is actually training my muscles. It's helping me to, to be like him. It's part of the process that is growing me up into him. Because that is who we're becoming. You know, this picture of maturity is, is Jesus. We are being made into the image of God. And we're going to fatigue as we, as we try to be Jesus, as we try to put those clothes on, because um, we're just little kids. And that's okay. There's grace. There's grace for you when you fatigue. There's grace for you when you re- resort back to the old ways. You're not out of the family. Okay, so... So we really want to zone in here now on this, this third observation. We talked about being in the family and, and growing up and, and being like our big brother. 
Um, and this is where the rubber meets the road, is this, this last observation. Um, Peter, this is your brother. That's good. I'm really good at that accent. So uh, in Matthew 18, there's this exchange that Jesus has with Peter. Yeah, sorry, I don't know what's going on with this. Can I, should I switch to this? Is that cool? We good? Okay. Okay, so in Matthew 18, there's this, this um, encounter, this exchange that Jesus has with Peter. He's talking about what it means uh, to forgive your brothers their debts against you. And he, he explains what it looks like. And then Peter pulls him aside and says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him as many as seven times? And what Peter's essentially saying here is, um, is like he's saying to Jesus, hey, it's really cool. It's cool to say the word brother because I know what you're trying to go for there. Obviously, this person's not really my brother. Um, but what's, what's the actual cutoff? Like, how much harder do I have to work to still get a good grade here? And Jesus says, uh, I don't say to you seven times, but 77 times. And essentially what Jesus is saying is this is not about you working harder. It's about you having a totally different framework. Uh, because this person in Christ actually is your brother. Like y'all are sharing rooms. You're, you're in a bunk bed in the family of God, in the house of God. And so like he's not ever actually going anywhere. There's no point that we reach where he's offended you so badly that he stops being your brother. Like this is a, a totally new way of looking at other people in this family of God. And so why am I dragging Peter into this? Well, because Peter is approaching this the exact same way that you and I tend to approach this. Like all this stuff sounds good and like, you know, it's like life in the family of God, sort of like life on the New York subway. There's going to be bumping and jostling and yeah, we're going to accidentally knock each other's coffee into our laps and that sort of thing. I can get on board with that. Uh, but what happens when somebody accidentally walks up and just knifes you? <laughs> like that's surely different, right? Like then we can kick them out of the house, right? And Jesus is saying, no. That's not how this works. That's not how this works at all. And so this whole thing, um, and the re I just, like, I couldn't stop this week. Any Meet the Parents movie fans out there? I, I could not get out of my head this whole week as I was thinking about this passage. Like, how could you say that? That cat's been like a brother to you. But we're, we're, yeah, I just needed to get that off my chest. Um, you know, when you, think about, when you think about things that way, when I think about my relationship with you in this family of God as truly a family, like that really changes how I think about things. If this is just, if church is just a place where I find myself agreeing with most people here and there's some affinities, uh, then when somebody really offends me, then I have permission to really write them off in my heart. Like, oh, okay, just take a little mental note there, never interact with you again. And so when you're sitting over here, I'll sit over here. Um, but now all of a sudden when Jesus is like, no, no, that's your brother. Like, that's your sister. You are going to, to forgive each other because that's what we do here in this family. Um, that changes things. I thought of a couple people in my life that I want to do the former with. And this week as I was in this passage, um, 
just to, to look at those people the way that I watch my three and five-year-old run around together and get on each other's nerves and have to come back and apologize and talk it out with each other, it really changed the way that I thought about those people. And so as we, as we think about this idea of forgiveness, I want us to think about it more like marriage because marriage is really the only other covenant relationship we have as humans here. And, and the family of God, when we join a church, that's what we're doing is we're joining this family in a covenant bond. And so uh, just the way Keller talks about it's that covenant relationship. It's both people saying, hey, we're not going anywhere that actually makes it a safe place for things to happen the way that they're supposed to happen in a marriage. Um, it's the same idea with uh, the family of God at a local, in a local family of God is that's what actually allows us to grow. That's what allows us to practice all these things. That's what allows us to grow in unity the way that Jesus asked us and commanded us to grow in unity is the safety of knowing that we're a family and we're going to work it out. So, that, so what does this look like in practice? Um, a couple of practical handholds for us. This is a, a huge exhaustive, um, not exhaustive, this is a huge subject, and so this is not going to be an exhaustive treatment of forgiveness, but just a couple things for us. Um, one is that word forgiveness actually means a canceling of debts. So it's not a forgetting, it's not an enabling, but it's, it's this recognition that I'm going to eat the cost of whatever happened. And it's an ongoing practice. A lot of times, there have been a lot of times where I have made the decision to forgive, and then seeing that person a few months later, and it made me really angry all over again. And I have to take that back to the Lord and say, hey, help me remember that this is actually already dealt with. And like, please help me do that work again in my heart. Because I saw them again and got fired up all over again. Um, but that's, that's no longer reality. So I need your power. I need you to come and help me do that and, and live like that. Um, Another thing is that it's a family affair. Go back to Matthew 18 is a great chapter to hang out in based on this, what we're talking about in this text. But um, when my three and five-year-old don't get along and they've got to work something out, we don't let them do that on their own. There's going to be some things with other members of your family that you can work out with just the two of you, and then some things you can't. And you need other people to help you see so that somebody's not getting taken advantage of. If I let my five-year-old manipulate and settle all disputes with his, his three-year-old brother, it would not go well for his three-year-old brother. And so that's a way that you, you keep people from being abused, you keep people from being enabled, is that you get other members of the family involved so they can help you see and, and see rightly and see what needs to happen. Um, you know, and just a note here, there's some really heinous uh, things that can happen between members of the family of God. And, and Jesus addresses that in Matthew 18 and says, you know, there does come a point where somebody is asked to leave the home. But even when that happens, the hope is for one day having restoration. And even when that happens, even if something really heinous has happened to you at the hands of one of your brothers and sisters, that you can still forgive and that you still need to forgive. It's, it's going to be a hard road, but the Lord is with you. Because he says, um, you must forgive as you've been forgiven in God. And so why does he say that? Um, so, so your soul doesn't shrivel up and die is why. Because I, it is impossible for me, if I'm holding on to bitterness 
toward anyone for anything, no matter how bad it is. It is impossible for me to live out of and believe the infinite grace and infinite forgiveness of God for me if I'm living with that. Because we can't separate those two things. It either is reality everywhere or it's not. And if I'm not practicing forgiveness out of God's unlimited storehouses of grace and mercy, then I'm not experiencing that for myself. And so there's a way in which, a very real way in which when I practice forgiveness, I help myself believe the truth of the gospel to greater depths. There's also a way in which when I practice forgiveness, I help you believe the gospel to greater depths, and that changes you. You know, elsewhere in scripture it says, God's kindness was meant to lead you to repentance. Like when I'm able to extend forgiveness by God's supernatural power, that is a testimony of the truth of the good news of Jesus and his love for you in your life. So here's the big money question, because we, we do this all the time. How can I go from receiving God's boundless forgiveness, grace and mercy and love for myself and still go out and demand justice from everybody else in my life? Because I live like that a lot. That's also in Matthew 18. Jesus tells a little story about that. How is that possible? Why do I do that? Well, just a couple things here. One, because I'm still a little child in process. I still, I still don't fully understand the depths of my sin. That's why. I also still don't fully understand the depths of God's love for me. And the love that covers all sin. You know, this big brother that we, we love and admire so much that we're growing into, he says this in John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And so when we're canceling debts, when we're forgiving, that's what's actually happening is that we're laying down our lives for our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Jesus is saying, as, as you learn to do that, as I help you into that, you are growing into full maturity. That's what it is to become an adult in this family. That's where we're all headed this, as we grow into the image of our big brother. You know, I, I also do that. Um, I'm not able to extend mercy when I've received mercy because I still don't fully understand who I am now in Christ. And, and what it means that Christ lives in me. He says in, uh, in Matthew 18, verse 20, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. It's this idea of um, when you and your brother and sister are trying to work it out, I am there with you. In my power and in my love, I'm there with you. And it doesn't depend on you. It doesn't depend on you walking through a perfect process. It depends on the fact that I am with you and I'm working in you and through you. And so as, as you leave this place today, even as we go to the table, as we contemplate what this means, um, spend some time with your Savior. Spend some time with your Heavenly Father and ask him if there is any work that needs to be done. Is there a brother or sister in your life that you are holding on to bitterness and you need to have a conversation with them. If he is calling you into that, 
then you need to answer his call because that's how you're going to be free. Because right now you're in prison. Is there somebody that you've already had a conversation with, but those feelings continue to come up when you see them? And maybe you don't need to have another conversation at all, but maybe you just need to go to your Heavenly Father and ask for grace and ask for the ability to live out of the forgiveness that you are trying to extend. But just ask the Lord, what, what business um, does he have for you today as we think about this? You know, as we, we're going to go and we'll celebrate communion, and what this is is a family meal. This is just a family meal around the table, and in just the same way as we eat a family dinner and we don't experience ourselves growing physically because of this one meal that we've eaten, there's a lot of times that we're not going to see the mysterious nature of, of this meal that we're having together and see it have immediate effect on our lives. It's mysterious. But God has given us this tangible expression of the gospel that he is saying, my body has been broken for you. My blood has been shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And I want you to feed on my body to strengthen you, to live this new life in this new family out of your new nature. And when you come in faith and you feast on the Lord Jesus as he commanded us to do, something is happening there, something that you're not controlling, something that he is doing, this mysterious work of maturing you and I. Little by little, he is making us more like himself. And so if you are somebody who is aware of your need for a Savior and you believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior that there is, then he says, please come and feast. Even if you are not a member of this body yet, even if you have never believed before, if you've never come and feasted on his love for you before, come today. All you need to know is, is your need of him. But if, if you're still in a place where you actually don't believe that you need a savior, you believe that there are a lot of different options for who that savior might be, then um, he says, don't, don't take this meal. This is not for you. And so the, the way, uh, make sure this is the way as I say this, because I, I don't come here much, um, that we take communion here is that we're going to come up to these kneelers. And if you'll come up through the, the middle aisles and when you leave, you'll go back down the side. And when you come up to the kneelers, um, just take some time if you want to, to do some business with the Lord. And when you're ready to receive, uh, just put your hands out and you'll receive the elements and you can take them and go back to your seat. Um, if you want prayer or you need prayer, uh, the folks that are serving communion are happy to pray for you. Just cross your arms over your chest um, and they will pray for you. Uh, if you are a uh, if you have children and they um, have been admitted to the table, then they're free to come and eat as well. But if they have not and they're not ready and they come up with you, could you please just make it clear to the folks serving uh, whether or not they're to receive the elements? And then um, we have gluten free uh, wafers in the, the bowl over there. So if you'll go to that end, and I think that's everything. Hal's giving me the thumbs up. That's everything. So I'm going to pray for us, uh, and then we'll come up and, and receive this meal. Father, you are good. Thank you for adopting us into your family. Thank you for giving us a home. Thank you for giving us a, a new set of clothes that we can put on and and where to this meal. Lord, thank you for your infinite grace and mercy. Thank you for um, being very patient with us as we are slow 
to learn. And Lord, we ask that you would just open our eyes a little bit more this morning to, to how deep your love is for us and enable us a little bit more to, to live out of that love and, and live out of this new nature and look uh, more and more like our, our big brother, Jesus. And we ask that in his name. Amen.